Thank you, Julie, and thank you, team. Great songs this morning. I hope we just never get tired of singing. Uh, that was really great this morning. Uh, the words to those songs, some of you may not know the, the uh, whatever you call it, the music. I'm not a musician nor the son of one. But those lyrics, they drive home the truths. And when you put it to music like that, it helps you to be reminded. And, you know, for some of us, we can pick up a tune and we can be reminded of the message of hope that Jesus Christ gives us. So that is really, really cool. Paul Long is in the house. Is he still here? Where are you, Paul? you leave? I'm going to pray. And then I'd like you to come up and just give us a little couple-minute update. We were praying for you a couple weeks ago. And um, we're going to hear more, a full update here later. But it's just great to be able to see these guys as they go out and they come fresh back from the field. And uh, so we want to give him an opportunity. And uh, let's go to God this morning in prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have this morning to be together, to be able to worship you, to be able to be encouraged, to know that you are the one who provides hope. Without it, where would we be? Dear God, we thank you this morning. So we have the opportunity to be reminded afresh and new as we sing these songs, some of them old, some of them new, to realize over the generations what has stood the test has been Jesus Christ. And this morning, we humble ourselves before you, beginning our week, centering our minds and our lives on who you are and all that you've done as we go about our week ahead, knowing that one day you will return. Hallelujah. But until then, we will occupy until you come. Because that good work that you've begun, you want to complete in us. God, we thank you for the great weekend as we had the opportunity to be challenged as men, to be men of valor. God, what a great weekend it has been. We think of your servant, uh, Dr. Lofquist, as he's speaking even now at New Brunswick Bible Institute. Empower him. And as he comes to be with us tonight, may may there be just a spirit of anticipation to hear from you. God, we thank you for servants of God like that. We pray for our church family this morning. We pray for Tom and Emily as they are finishing up their week of service in the Dominican. We pray for travel mercies as they come home. And God, for just the various experiences that you've given to them. And God, we thank you that we could have had a, a small part in this process. We think of our annual meeting coming up. And it's not a business meeting. We're not about a business. This is a church. And because of it, it's alive. And yes, we do have to talk through a variety of things. And as we look at the reports and as we hear what has been happening in the past, that gives us great confidence to step into the future. This morning we pray for John and Linda Begin, our missionaries. And we think of the ministry that you've called them to as they are trying to reach one of those very difficult groups of Muslim belief. 
God, I pray that today they might sense the people of God that are praying for them, go before them in a way that is very, very evident. Empower them for your glory and honor. God, as we open your word this morning, I pray that we too would have an expectant heart, that we would have a hearing ear, but God, that we would have willing feet to obey that which we will be presented with today. We thank you, we love you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul, come on up here. Okay, I'm going to try to make this two to three minutes. Um, I went down with the uh, Jacksonville, uh, Jacksonville United Baptist Church is headed up. Uh, they've been going to the Dominican for nine years, working on different projects. Uh, they have a pastor down there that they use as their main contact, and he's started several, several churches, and basically every year, every couple of years, they start a new church for him, like as far as the building. Uh, of course, the, uh, the Nationals do the cement work, the brick work. They're professionals at that. Um, the Canadians come down and do woodwork for them, basically. Uh, anyway, the project I worked on, they've been working on it for, this is the third year, and it was the final year. It was a compound. Um, there was a church. They built the church. Uh, build an orphanage. There's uh, nine boys that live on the compound. Um, they built the tr- orphanage the first year. The next year they built the church. And um, then this year, sorry, I'm getting a little mixed up, but I'll tell you. There's an orphanage, there's a church, and then they put a school on top of the church uh, last year. And then this year, uh, Baptist Church from the Miramichi um, went down, and the week before I got there, they built a uh, parsonage. Uh, where the pastor lived, they took me to his house on Friday. It was about double the size of our shed that we have out here. He has a family of four kids. And it was about double that size, but it wasn't nice, like vinyl siding and stuff. And there was no windows. And um, it was two-bedroom and a kitchen, you could say, and a little bathroom. Uh, both bathroom about the size of that little closet there. And if you've never been in that closet, it's not much of a closet. Um, anyway, their concern was with building the parsonage, though, that hopefully that the locals won't start looking down on him. And that was his concern, too. Uh, the parsonage we built for him is 20 by 28, 30, something like that. Um, but it's new. And so that that's, that's a concern they have. Um, they had a school on the top floor along with me. There was 24 of us. There was three, four of us that were actually doing carpentry work. There was a group of pastors who went up into the mountains every day. They had a pastor's conference for the week. Uh, had about 50 pastors showing up to that every day. There was a group of ladies that we dropped off in our truck at the to a church who did a a ladies' conference, they were kind of disappointed in that. They were hoping for about 50 ladies. The first day they had 14, I think. The next day they had 20. The next day they had 25 along that line. So they have a lot of ministries going on. Besides that, there were three guys that spent every day on the streets, just walking into people's houses, giving them gifts and stuff like that. Uh, glasses is a big thing. Your uh, Walmart glasses the little prescription ones that Alan loves back there, they handed out hundreds of those. Just people don't have glasses, and they, they get them to try a pair of glasses. If they could read, they'd give them a pair of glasses to see if it helped them with their reading, and they just, they actually called up to Heartland here and told Heartland to get as many as they could because the Heartland group went down last week. They had to take more glasses. 
So it's, uh, I asked them about the church. I said, well, how long, if, if they were going to build this themselves, not, not the school, not the orphanage, if they were going to build this church themselves, how long would it take them to get the money to build it? And the pastor said 25 years. That was just to build the church. He said, that's not to stucco it. That's not to paint it. That's just to get the church built. And so when you look at it that way, us going down there, doing these jobs, it really helps these churches. On Saturday, we went up into the mountains. They built a church there four years ago, and they wanted no one had ever been back for a dedication. And so they asked us to go up to do a dedication service. Here's something I bet you we can't pull off. We drove into the village. It was a village of 300. We drove in the village at 1 o'clock and quarter after 1. Church was full, and we were having a service. You know, it was bang, let's get this done. And usually you hear, well, you know, you have to wait forever for those people down there. <laughs> Some of their services are that. People will string in, but we were, 50, we were just in the village 15 minutes when the service started. Um, we were pleasantly surprised. I'll mention this, and then I'll be done. In that village... When they had two young people lead the singing, they were probably in their 20s. They had a laptop with the music on it. And usually, if any of you that's gone on mission trips, you know that in the Caribbean, and we've had that problem in Bolivia, Greg's mentioned about, uh, even with uh, Dave and them going down there trying to teach them how to use their PA system. It's the same everywhere. And this, anyway, we went into the mountains here. This young couple got up to lead the service, and it was nice tone they had the pa system turned down and there's a missionary sitting right beside me who's been in the caribbean for years and he leaned over and he said that's the first time ever that i've been able to understand the singing in a church in the dominican and so i noticed afterwards everybody that was on this trip went over and congratulated enjoyed your music loved your music continued to do your music this <laughs> so uh like you said pray for the team they're coming back uh, they'll be leaving there in about uh two and a half, three hours. Um, pray for safety for them as they travel, especially the, the worst part of the trip is we land in Moncton at about 20 after 12 at night, and most people have to come home because they got to go to work tomorrow. And so you need to pray for them tonight before you go to bed that no one falls asleep while they're driving home. Thank you. And we'll hear more um, as the uh, spring progresses along here with different things that are coming up. So if you have your Bible there, I want you to turn with me to Matthew's Gospel this morning. We're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. Let's stand together. Matthew, chapter 5. Just going to read the first 12 verses this morning. Uh, Matthew, chapter 5. Beginning at verse 1, And seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up into the mountains, and when he had seated his disciples, when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. God, we ask that you enlighten us this morning. We thank you for this report from Paul. We continue to pray for Tom and Emily, for their their transportation and travel home. Keep them alert. And I pray for us this morning, you'll keep us alert, that we are sensitive to your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We've been working our way through, and uh, we've kind of done some overview. We've done a little bit of background. We started through thinking questions. As you've been reading, and I trust this week, you've done your homework, and you've read it through once. It's 111 verses. You can do it between probably 15 and 20 minutes. One setting, one message. It gives you the overview of all that is involved in this one sermon that Jesus Christ preached. We've been talking a lot about, well, at the end of it, what about this sermon was that big of a deal? Why were they astonished? We talked about the fact that as we think through the kingdom of heaven, there was something here that was very, very different, that caught their attention. Last week we talked about this inner, this outer kingdom, that we're talking about those who, this was a Jewish audience, they knew what God was all about, they knew about heaven, they knew about this kingdom, but this kingdom, this outer kingdom, was one that was for those who professed. And we realized as we begin to work through, there was an inner kingdom for all the various elements from the Old Testament right out through to we finally get to eternity. There is one true group that will enter into the kingdom of God. And as we begin to ponder that point, that began to help us to understand a little bit of why these guys were so caught up with what he said. We talked about the two thoughts that were taking place. These two groups of people. It was being driven by the Pharisees. And there was a group called the Sadducees. And we've sung songs about them, right? And all kinds of different things. But they had a very, very deviant approach to the Word of God. One held a very conservative, traditional. The other was more liberal and all those things that we talked about last week. And it was in the midst of all of this that Jesus came and said, You have heard it said, but I say unto you. I got thinking a little bit about that. How could I explain that to you? And I was, from my own standpoint, and I'm going to use an illustration. It's fictitious, okay? Just make sure you understand. Sometimes I tell stories and people, did that really happen? This didn't happen. But it could be like me believing that I'm a Hakenan. When my dad died... We went and visited the attorney. We actually did that. But what would happen if when we went to the attorney's office, I found out that my brother was really right? The police had brought me when I was a baby. He told me that. 
And that really, I hadn't even been adopted. All this time, I believed I was the son of Walter Hakenen, when in actual fact, I was an illegitimate orphan with no pedigree whatsoever. I have absolutely no claim on my inheritance, no legal rights for the future. I had heard it said by family and friends, but now the lawyer is telling me something completely different. The lawyer tells me that I'm no longer welcome in this meeting. I must depart. As the only ones who can enter into this agreement are only legitimate family members. I'd be devastated. I could say, well, it's not fair. I've lived like a Haken and I signed my name Haken and I cashed checks in Haken and I've done business my whole life as a Haken and, but it will get me nowhere. It's too late. I believe the lie. That's what took place when Jesus spoke. Because what was at the crux of it was the fact that he was presenting not everyone's going to get into the kingdom. This was a news flash. All this religiosity that they had been trying to do, whether it was with the Pharisees or with the Sadducees, it was all for naught because it did not Get an individual into the kingdom of God. Wow. We kind of left our service talking a little bit about the fact that, you know what? A lot of things haven't changed. We can move into this period of time. And the church today is divided amongst almost the same lines, isn't it? When I looked at this last week, as I was looking through, I found out and I could point back to times in my life when I had either been one or the other. How'd you fare out as you kind of thought that one through? We're not trying to question your salvation, friend. We're trying to get you to think a little bit about Where is your destination and what have you placed it on? We're a Bible-driven church, right? So if God says it, what? That settles it. And as we talk that one through, Jesus says to us, not everybody's going to make it, folks. It requires, my friends, something every one of us has to come to grips with. And it works with that word of repentance. Where we come to the place where there's a change of mind, where there's an admission. And we'll see that in just a moment. But as we look at the Sermon on the Mount, we see that it's all about truth. And the next three tracks, chapters are going to unfold in front of us and help us to see the truth for us as believers in this opening chapter. 
as we talk about lifestyle. And then we'll talk about God and worship. And then we'll finish up talking about that word judgment or discernment in chapter 7. And the fact is we need to make sure it's based on God's truth and not the truth of what we have heard. But what God Almighty says. Very important, right? Everybody okay? Did I tell you I loved you already? You know that, right? I'm getting beat up here bad. I just want you to know. Because this is not an easy passage of Scripture. Because it's like a mirror. It just penetrates. That's what the Word of God is supposed to do, isn't it? This isn't like the Reader's Digest. You don't pick up the Bible, folks, just to have a story time. You pick up the Bible because it is the truth of Almighty God. And it can change our lives. It gives us hope. It gives us direction. It gives us purpose. I tried to put on my notes not to get too excited this morning, but I'm having a hard time. I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a Sadducee. I don't want to be just a religious misfit. I want a relationship with God Almighty, the King of the Kingdom. That's what He offers us today. As we come to this next section, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to do it in two parts because I I just, there's so much stuff in here. But just a couple of things to keep in mind. As we begin into this section called the Beatitudes, it's basically attitudes for the believers. That's what the Beatitudes is all about, isn't it? And it's attitudes. It's helping us to realize that, my goodness, there's a people in a kingdom of God that are wonderful people. When I read this particular passage of Scripture, I get excited because I see reality. I see character driven, not just outside manifestations of just a weak need life. I see hope. I see purpose and I see peace and I see all kinds of stuff. And I see, man, I want to be part of it, don't you? And I want to be with those kind of people. Because those are the ones that aren't going to run me off the road if I just happen to, you know, make a mistake and not pause. Still trying to figure out your bridge down here? It can bring the best out of you. It can bring the worst out of you. But don't you want to have these kind of people around? That we're talking about, it's the internal Not just the external. It's the spiritual. Not just the physical or the political. It's a way up that looks like down. It's the least that look like the greatest. As we think of it, that word blessed is happy. Got your text there? I love the Word of God because it actually, the text itself explains it. You know what blessed is? Right there, verse 12. Verse 12 is what blessed is. It's rejoicing and being exceedingly glad. Now, is there anything wrong with that? I mean, anybody want in on that one? 
I mean, this shouldn't be really hard for us to go out into Heartland and to Carlton County with that message. Really? Because that's what everybody is actually looking for in their own way. To be happy, to be content beyond measure. <laughs> that means there's some left over tomorrow. And the day after, and the day after, and the day after. So we think about that, the world we know right now is coming up into this time of year. And I don't know, I don't watch it. <laughs> Grammys and... I don't know, uncles and aunts, and I don't know whatever those shows are on TV, but it just kind of pollutes our airways, and it's the paparazzi of the world. What is it they're saying that they're looking for? They're saying, blessed are who? The rich, the noble, the successful, the macho, the glamorous, the popular, the aggressive and famous, the rich, right? I mean, and that's, the cameras are all turned. They're the winners. Did I say winners? I mean, winners. It's amazing when you get them off the stage. And it's amazing when you begin to look at what's happening really in their lives. And when they go to the grocery store and they meet up with a common person, how they actually respond and react, because there's a sense of entitlement that seems to go with being a winner. Are we any different? How do we gauge success within our churches? We just heard a great illustration, didn't we, Paul? Of a pastor being concerned about his housing and how that would be perceived by the community. If it was the other way around in North America, that would have to be the size of his doggy bathroom. I'm not trying to poke fun, but it's pretty sad, isn't it? Whose kingdom are we building? It's like the paparazzi turns away from us, from this text. These kind of people. And they declare, well, yeah, they're a bunch of losers. You ever been in a church when you weren't welcome? Somebody just comes in off the street and they stink. They don't have the same kind of car. We could go on and on and on. That's why this passage of Scripture is so important for us. As we begin our journey, as we begin to look to the future, what God has for us, He has a different way of looking at things. Praise God. It's not like this, God helps those who will help themselves. You ever heard that one? It sounds more like the lion and the lamb, and they got it all messed up, don't they? Because really, it's not about the lion, the winner, the lamb, the loser. It's about Jesus Christ who incorporates both. 
He is the lion and he is the lamb and he is our Savior and Lord. Jesus Christ, the great example. So as you're thinking through how I should live, is there any better illustration than Jesus Christ? The Prince of Peace. What a wonderful thing. As we look at the text of Scripture this morning, we want to talk a little bit about these kingdom dwellers. Blessed are they, happy, content, beyond measure. You'll see if you look, there's eight of these characteristics. And the first eight deal with that relationship one has towards their God. The second grouping looks at the relationship these God followers have towards others. Does that remind you of another text in Scripture when Jesus was asked the question, which is the greatest commandment of all? Amazing, isn't it? We see it right here as he begins. The sermon that started the whole ministry of Christ right here. A year after being out, this becomes the Magna Carta. This is the point. And you can follow this all the way through the book of Acts and into the epistles. This message continues to unwrap itself. Because for us, the greatest thing is for us to know God and to love others. Notice the order. You're going to have a hard time loving others if you don't love God. Just some things as you look at it. Now, let's look at the first four. The first one that we see is this, this phraseology, blessed are the poor in spirit. As we talk about that this morning, a couple of things that we want to share. And if I can get to my notes and find out where I should be, that would be helpful. It's the word humble. But not embarrassed. Now, God has a way of helping me to understand that. Um, how many of you here were Sunday night? Last Sunday night? Pastor, uh, Pastor L. Yeah, I call him Pastor L. He's my pastor. I have to put my jacket on for this. This is official. He, uh, he shared with us. He did a great job. But he also made it very clear that I had tricked him and that I owed him a lunch. Do you remember that? Of his choosing. Well, we went out. The difference between being humbled and being embarrassed I went to the counter to pay. And guess what? I couldn't remember my pin. <laughs> really? I could not remember my pin number. And as soon as I put it into the terminal, I knew I didn't know what it was. And all of a sudden, I learned a form of humility. That's embarrassment. Now, for witnesses here, purposes. 
<laughs> you could have my credit card. I don't know the pin, so. <laughs> you know what? When we look at this word poor in spirit, sometimes we think that that's all it is. It's an embarrassment. No, 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 my friend. This is the opening of the gate. This is the beginning. This is the entrance into the kingdom of God. If we miss everything else this morning, don't miss this point. Because you miss this point, you're not going to be in the kingdom of God. It means that we have to come to the place where we humble ourselves. We realize that we are totally lost. There is that point of helplessness and hopelessness. We have to rely. It is a surrender of our pride. For those men that were with us at the conference, men of valor. Did he not hit that one? As he began to unfold and help us to understand that God is in the business of warning us. But he will crush us also. So that he can strengthen us. God has to bring us to the end of our self. Because if you don't come to the end of yourself, you'll never reach out for the Savior. I put that picture on there because it actually has something to do with the begging poor. You know the story in Psalm 51, right? If you don't turn there, that's David repenting before God. Over the sin of Bathsheba. It was not embarrassment. Oh yeah, he was totally embarrassed about all that went on. But it was deeper than embarrassment. It went right to the very core of his life. To the place where God and he could do business with who he really is in God's eyes. And as a humble, poor In spirit, not wallet, not academic. In spirit, we recognize internally there is no other way than through Jesus Christ. And the only way is coming to the place where we will admit we are sinners and need. God's forgiveness. What happens? Theirs is the kingdom of God. Have you come to that place? Seriously. You may have been in this church for a hundred years. I don't think anybody yet. Bob Booker's working on it. It has nothing to do with the pew. It has nothing to do with giving your money. It has nothing to do if you know the songs. It has nothing to do if you even know the stories. Do you know the Savior? That's what kingdom living is about. It's exchanging your kingdom for another kingdom. That word repent. You are going in the opposite direction. And you repent and convert. You change. It's in here an acknowledgement. 
My friend, that is what Carlton County needs to hear. Because if we try to go step three, four, five, all we're going to do is wash up. I don't want to say a pig, but I think you get the illustration. There's no internal change. Secondly, it says they mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. That word is to grieve, to sorrow. It's continually expressed out in some way. This kind of sorrow is not because you didn't get what you want. It's because you continue to have a sensitivity to sin even after you repent. It's like you get to the place where you realize, and I've got that picture of the potter and the clay. You realize now you have exchanged your way and now you have a new master. And don't you like that on the top? Can you see him? He's pushing down. And there are times as believers, we feel like we're being thwarted. You are. Because the flesh is still very active in our lives. And God wants to make a complete work out of you. And so he begins to mold and make. And there are times when I'm like, God, I don't want to be a vase. I'd rather be an ashtray. Think about that illustration. God wants to do something unbelievable in your life that you never could ask or think. And it begins with the entrance into the kingdom. And as you begin to enter in, we begin to understand, I am not going around with a darkened face and ashes all over me. I am sober, the word is talking about. Being realistic. Being diligent to the new way that God has brought me. First Corinthians chapter 7 talks about godly sorrow. God brings stuff into our life. It was an amazing weekend. We went from testimony to testimony to testimony to testimony of men that had been broken. Literally, Steve's was with the illustration at the end as he shared his testimony of what took place. A man that had everything going for him in the right direction and then all of a sudden an accident that from the world's standpoint they would say was totally useless. Why would that happen? And this man yesterday stood and was able to say, you sat and rolled in. And was able to say the accident was what really made the difference in his life. It doesn't avoid hard things. It accepts them from their new master. Because he knows best. Cool? Time's moving. This word gentleness and meekness. 
mild, gentle, pleasant. It's the element of being under control. We've gone from going my own way, repenting, and God begins to churn and work in my life. And now we get to this place where with meekness we begin to walk in that new direction. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is like yoked animals together. It's an amazing thing to watch a team work together and knowing that we're teamed up with the king of all kings. And we are walking in stride. With a yoke, if you get out of stride one step or the other, you're going to have one amazing chafing that takes place. Meekness is being in that area of control so that we can walk in a way that the world just doesn't get. When all everything else around us is just going haywire, we're still standing because we know who it is. We're developing that internal relationship with God Almighty, which leads us to the fourth one, which is kind of the conclusion. It says, Blessed are those who thirst and hunger for righteousness sake. Strong desire, driving pursuit, passionate. It's a passionate pursuit. It's the only ambition, and I like this picture here. Now, this guy is like, can you see? That water bottle was out there, and he was going for it. It's the developing of the relationship in our lives with God that we will do everything that we can to maintain that walk with Him. Because it is He and He alone who sustains us. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. This is holiness. It's the right living that God has for us. And it says we will be filled. There's that word contentment, satisfied. I've lived a long time never content with anything that I ever had. As a believer, But there was always something else, something else, something else that I had to have. We realize that when we turn from our own way and we begin the walk of faith, kingdom living, it leads us to a place where we are satisfied just being with him. might want to put it this way. Another illustration would be to take those three things, put them into a little bit of a funnel, and guess what pops out at the end? Having struggles in your life, you can follow the paper trail on this. Right now, there's no real desire to follow God or even look into His Word. You might want to go back and see if it's one of those three words. Usually, you'll find there's something that you have Just kind of let go. This whole section is upside down as far as the world is concerned, isn't it? 
It's an upside down kingdom. Doesn't make sense. Everybody else is telling us you got to have this and you got to have that and you got to go here and you got to do this and blah, blah, blah. And Jesus is saying to us, no. My kingdom is far superior. And Jesus' new way of living comes from a new way of thinking. And that new way of thinking comes from new life. Alone. There is no other way. Homework for you. If you haven't already flipped your notes over, there it is. We want to practice some kingdom stuff. We're going to talk next Sunday about how this relates to others. In the whole month of February, you have a Barnabas month. Well, this is a great opportunity for us to test it within the family of God as we have the opportunity to live like kingdom dwellers. And to add to it and to encourage one another so that they too are being that kind of individual. So you can look that over. Think a little bit more about it. But my friend, today, I am so glad that Jesus Christ makes the difference, aren't you? And he said to us, blessed, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. And in this text, is the ingredients to make that happen. Dear God, we thank you. As we conclude our service this morning, we know that your spirit energizes and illuminates and challenges us as we leave. God, if there is someone here this morning that doesn't know you, that's never entered into the kingdom, God, I pray that today they will know it's easy because if it wasn't, we wouldn't have been able to have entered either. God, I pray that we will come to that place and look back. For those of us that know you, that at that moment when we exchanged our world for your world, that you indwelt us with your spirit. And God, because of that, Jesus Christ had to come to this earth. He lived and he died and he rose again for us. And for whoever would believe in him can be saved. Hallelujah. God, I pray that you'll help all of us to think carefully about the things that we are doing and living by. May it be by your book. We thank you today. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.